1: Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. I'm joined by my co-host Nick Pilato. On today's podcast, we're going to break down the New York Giants salary cap situation coming into this offseason We'll look into a little bit of their 2021 situation. We'll break down how they can create another 24 million or nearly 24 million in cap space for this offseason coming up with a series of moves. And we'll look at the overall cap situation for this team as we move forward. And spoiler, it's pretty damn good. I mean, a lot of knocks on Dave Gettleman. We'll get to that in a second. But one thing you can't knock him for was how he orchestrated this team from a salary cap standpoint at this point coming up Nick and we'll dive into this in a second the Giants are really well positioned from a cap standpoint going forward for the next year for the next two years and really until Daniel Jones's rookie contract is over with so Nick before we dive into all that how are you doing today give us a little update on anything going on in the world of Nick did you enjoy the Super Bowl have a nice little party
2: I did, man. The world of Nick is going pretty well right now. I mean, coming from a Giants fan, all you guys are Giants fans. I am incredibly happy to see Andy Reid get a Lombardi Trophy, yeah. and especially since he wasn't donning green while doing it. So, but it's really a good to see him finally get that kind of get that chip off the shoulder. He's very well deserved, and we might have just seen the birth, the first Super Bowl, the first championship from. Uh, just a dynasty that's in the making i know a lot of people are crowning it that way but pat mahomes isn't going anywhere and he does seem like he's something special somewhat of an anomaly but outside of the super bowl yeah man the life of nick is going good how about the life of dan
1: life of dan is going really well i mean super bowl week was was a little bit of a grind for me with my role uh the company i'm with it was definitely tiring uh especially super bowl night was a late night as well just getting everything in order but you know it was really fun time too at the same time and like you said, I was happy for Andy Reid. More so, if I was happy Nick for my DraftKings bank account because when Patrick Mahomes had that dislocated knee earlier this season, I put a little hundy bet down, ten to one odds, future Chiefs, ten to one baby. Uh, figuring, you know, listen, if D Ford or uh, yeah, D Ford doesn't go off sides last year, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, and I think they would have beat the Rams. Uh, you give me Pat Mahomes in the playoffs, I'm taking it. Yeah, sure, Andy Reid this, Andy Reid that, but. That narrative is now out the window. That 10 to 1 cash at $100 had a nice little win. Did Hedged a little, not much, only because um, Borgata offered a 2 to 1. Borgata Sportsbook offered a 2 to 1 on the Niners. I guess they were getting so much money in on the Chiefs side that they wanted to even it out. So I hedged a little there, not too much, though. So it was a good game overall for me, Nick. But let's dive into the New York Giants as they approach the. 2020 offseason from a salary cap standpoint. So let's start at the top with their projected 2020 cap space at this moment, before any releases, before any re-signing. So as of this moment, and this information, folks, is according to OverTheCap.com. There are two really big cap sites, OverTheCap.com and SpotTrack. I would advise to, and I always will use OverTheCap. I believe SpotTrack has gotten a little bit of Heat for potentially stealing information from over-the-cap. I know the the over-the-cap owner and the creator, Jason Fitzgerald. We've had multiple conversations. I was actually writing for over-the-cap for one offseason for a little bit. And he does his work. He grinds it out. He's the real deal. So these numbers I trust. And, Nick, as we head into this 2020 offseason, at least right now, the Giants are slated to have 61.9, approximately 61.9 million dollars in cap space. That's the seventh most in the NFL – Behind the Dolphins at number one, the Colts at number two, the Bills at number three, the Bucks at number four, the Cowboys at number five, and the Broncos at number six. And we know that the Bills – I'm sorry, that the Bucks and the Cowboys will both be spending Big to resign their own free agents specifically at the quarterback position. Even if the Bucks do move on from Jameis, it'll likely be for another big name, Rivers, Brady, whoever that may be. That's a $25 million cap hit. That's going to drop them way below the Giants when those deals are signed. Cowboys have tons of problems, it's not just Dak. They're going to have to re-sign Cooper potentially, Byron Jones. They've got free agents galore, so that cap number is going to drop as well. I don't see either of those two teams becoming players in free agency, uh, these guys that will, you know, compete with the Giants. So, Nick, my question for you is this. What do you make of the Giants' current salary cap situation, and do you see any ways that you believe the Giants can create even more cap space? And I guess that's a little bit of a hint and a spoiler, and you could dive right into it. But this podcast is a little bit of a – I wouldn't call it clickbait, but I would call it enticing headline, and it's the truth. We, Me and Nick talked it over, and we see five moves the Giants can make right now to really give themselves an excellent position and to create approximately $24 million in cap space. So Nick, why don't you break those down for us right now? Or let's break it down one by one and talk it over.
2: Yeah, so let's go with the big elephant in the room and that is an acquisition from Dave Gettleman. Alec Ogletree. He has been a colossal failure as an inside linebacker for James Betcher's defense. James Betcher is now gone and they bring in Patrick Graham. So, like we said, Giants sitting there $61.9 million in cap space with Alec Ogletree on the books. If the Giants were to release Alec Ogletree, they would save eight point two five million dollars with only a three point five dead cap, three point five million dollar dead cap. So releasing Ogletree not only saves money. But in my opinion, it gets rid of a negative because Alec Ogletree was supposed to come in here. He was touted as this athletic linebacker coming out of Georgia when he was drafted by the St. Louis Rams, and he just never lived up to the billing. And I remember when I was writing for Inside the Pylon, I wrote an article about Alec Ogletree and that trade that Dave Gettleman pulled off, and I just did not see it. The one thing I thought that could be utilized in the James Betcher defense was the fact that he could be used creatively, stunting up the middle and things along those lines. But – When it comes to Ogletree, I just feel like he has to go, and that is going to create the most cap space for somebody that I feel like will more than likely be gone and not be wearing Giants blue this uh, coming season.
1: Yeah, Nick, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but really it just sparked my attention and my, my participation because really you're right. We thought he could creatively be used as a blitzer, and he's graded out really well as a blitzer. He just wasn't used that often in that route, which is kind of maybe on Badger, maybe it's on Ogletree. And I don't want to totally knock the guy because before you joined the podcast, Nick, during the 2018 season, me and Nick Nick Turchin both believed that he was a little bit better on tape than people were giving him credit for. He was making a lot of plays that season, sideline to sideline, saving a lot of big plays. We didn't see that as much this year, though, Nick, when we— Went back and we watched the tape, me and you, and yet the same problems continue to appear. Man, man coverage with him, one-on-one against a running back or against a tight end. He's burned. You know, stacking and shedding. Up the middle, he's burned. And he's a major liability in both of those regards and no longer making the same play sideline to sideline that he was at the beginning of at least his Giants career. Um, And then again, as a blitzer, just we don't see it enough. So really with Ogletree, you're talking about a guy who had that one second team all pro season with the Rams really racking up the tackle numbers. But again, a lot of people who grinded the tape on that team said, listen, he's not nearly as good as his numbers say. So the Giants are at a crossroads here. Dave Gettleman likes the guy. Dave Gettleman knows he needs a highly athletic linebacker in the middle. He projects as someone who should be that guy. You know, he's a leader. He called the defense. He's a captain. All those are good things. But you can find that elsewhere, Nick. And I think me and you are both in agreement that we would we would get rid of him now instead of, you know, next offseason, the Giants could get rid of him and save nine million in cap space with only a one point seven five million dollar dead cap. But really, you're not gaining much. I mean, the giant, you know, it's three point five million dead cap this year versus one point seven five million dead cap next year. And as we'll go over soon, Nick, the dead cap situation has really cleared itself up for the Giants uh, coming off a year this year where they had like 30 million in dead cap with Odell and Vernon and Damon Harrison and tons of guys that were still in their dead, you know, still counting against the cap. So with that in mind, Nick, let's put, let's ask. Let me ask you this. We know you would release him this season, this offseason. Do you give me a percentage number? Do you think the Giants will or will not release him?
2: 50, oh, okay. just because – and I think you laid out a pretty good argument in the fact that he is a signal caller. This is a new defense. If It all depends on how Patrick Graham views him and the fact that next year it's going to be less money against the uh, cap as well if the Giants do go that route. But it's kind of yet to be seen because we don't know what the Giants are going to do in free agency and we don't know what they're going to do in the draft so if the giants go out and they draft someone like isaiah simmons obviously the likelihood of ogletree being cut is going to rise so i think uh it could definitely happen but i'll put it at like 40 50 percent could be 50 50 i just um i didn't see it from him this uh this season i know he was in a complicated defense with james bett with the back end of the defense being very very young and still trying to you know conceptualize and learn that whole uh pattern match defense that was being run but now it's just a whole nother defense coming in so it's gonna really depend on how patrick graham values ogletree but when it comes to just his play on the field it wasn't there this year and i don't expect it to be there next year if he is in giants blue
1: yeah i'm gonna put the percentages higher nick i think there's about a 90 percent chance that he's gone and i think that what it comes down to is this there are a couple really intriguing inside backers in free agency to begin with joel Schobert and uh corey littleton guys that i think can kind of fill that role, but also because of what we talked about during the season, Nick, and that was that Ryan Connolly in his role, in Ogletree's role, looked or in a role very similar, looked better than him. So you project him to come back, potential free agents, maybe somebody in the or maybe somebody in the draft. I just think you're better off there. And again, like we talked about, 3.5 million dead cap just isn't that bad, especially when you're gonna save, you know, by releasing him eight point two five. Talking about somebody turning twenty-nine years old, entering his eighth season, has had the injuries and, you know, if they don't release him, he'll be the third, third biggest cap it that they have on this roster. The New York Giants third biggest for a guy who really is not pulling the weight there. So I'm going to put the percentages a little bit higher, Nick. But let's dive into. So according to our plan, we've now saved eight point two five million dollars. So how do we save another five million, Nick?
2: Another five million. Got to look. Pat Shermer is no longer the head coach of this football team. Red Ellison, tight end, second string tight end, injured a lot this season. He was a Pat Shermer guy, and I fully expect with the rise of Caden Smith, Red Ellison to be cut, which would save five million and only add two point two million to the dead cap. So when I look at Red Ellison, look at the rise of Caden Smith, it's just one of those things where it's just like, yeah, more than likely he's going to be gone, especially because he was a Pat Shermer guy. Now you have Joe Judge coming in with Jason Garrett and the rise of Caden Smith. So yeah, I believe Red Ellison will be he'll get the uh, get the cut as well.
1: Yeah, a lot to talk about with Rhett. Rhett was a guy I had higher hopes for. I actually had a chance to interview with him, uh, him uh, during Giants training camp two seasons ago in 2018. Really liked what he had to say. I thought he was going to be a really, really good inline blocker for them, and that just never really surfaced. He had some moments, of course, but it just wasn't there on a consistent basis. You add that to the fact that this is the last year of his contract. So I mean, he, they're either cutting him and saving 5 million with just a 2.2 $2 million dead cap or he's going to enter this season as their sixth or no, sorry, seventh biggest cap hit and that's big money to pay for someone who missed the last 6 games of a season with a concussion who Really hasn't been the blocker people expected him to be. And as a receiver, we know his limitations. We know what he is. And, you know, Nick, when he came to the Giants, there was some talk that he could be used in an interesting, creative role, like an HVAC. Because that's how he was used with the Minnesota Vikings, even with Pat Shermer there. But he really never came into that role. And Pat Shermer kind of compared him once, at least, to Mark Bavaro. We just hadn't seen any Mark <laughs> Bavaro really at all. I mean, so he's calling him Mark Bavaro. I'm calling him... Nowhere close. So you want, you want me, to
2: know fun facts about Mark Bavaro, Dan? Yeah, let's do it. Fun fact about Mark Bavaro. My middle name is Mark because of Mark Bavaro.
1: I love it, Nick. I love it. <laughs> Bavaro, all-time giant. Probably one of the best tight ends that's ever played for this franchise. I say he's the best. I mean, obviously, he had a, he had a lot of injuries kind of derail parts of his career and lo- the longevity factor. But on a per-game basis, he was Gronk-like, especially as a blocker. Uh, you know, both ways, blocker and receiver. So, for me, Nick— Uh, Well, let me ask you first. What's your percentage? What do you think Red Ellison's chances are here?
2: I would say 95 to 100%. I don't think he's going to be back with the Giants this season.
1: For sure. So I'm with you there. I'm going to put a 90% there too, 9 out of 10, especially with the emergence late season of Caden Smith. You know they're watching his tape. You know they're thinking about what can Smith do for us. You know they're thinking about, I know he's been hurt, but we need to make Kevin Ingram a part of this offense, no matter how it goes with Jason Garrett. So Ingram, Caden Smith. I just don't see room for a guy like Rhett Ellison with, you know, a seventh biggest type cap hit. We're talking about, you know, if they were to keep him, we're talking about what is he going to he's going to be 7.1, 7.2 million uh, against the cap. That's just that's no good. It's no bueno. So I think he's gone, Nick. But listen, so now we're up to what? 13.25 million saved added to that $62 million number. And we're going to get to in a minute where this might take the Giants overall. But right now, you know, we're at 13.5. Where can we save another nearly 5 million? Save
2: nearly another 5 million a james betcher guy now flip it to the defense You look at kareem martin he was injured a lot this season didn't play all that much he was a james betcher guy brought in from arizona and i expect him to be released as well and i know the giants are thin at the edge position but i do believe they will kind of try to fix that through the draft and through adding some depth pieces that may fit patrick ram's defense a little bit better in free agency but i believe martin will be cut saved that 5 million will only be 1.2 million against the cap
1: yeah, Martin, bye-bye. I mean, that's a 99 percenter for me. He, he was a big disappointment. I thought when he came over from Arizona, he was only scratching the surface. You saw some flashes after he kind of played for the early part of his career with the Cardinals as just that interior defensive lineman type, the five-tech I believe he was playing for the most part, a couple snaps of three-tech, kind of moving back and forth. And then that last season, you thought you saw flashes with him with Arizona when they kind of put him off ball and they put him in on the edge. But, that never surfaced with the Giants. Obviously the injury was a big factor this season, but even in the snaps he's been healthy for, he's really just been somebody who sets the edge as an edge rusher. And that's just not gonna cut it. The Giants have enough guys who could set the edge on this defense. They have enough guys who could play the run. So getting rid of Martin will save them another four point eight million with only one point two dead cap. To me, that's another no-brainer. Um so yeah. you know, you add that to the mix and now they're they're over. You know they're getting. Where are they at? After that, they're at 18 million saving cap space. So how are they going to save another 2.75? Nick
2: save another 2.75 million. Got to look at Mister Antoine Bethea. So he played a lot of deep half safety for the New York Giants, and he's at an advanced age. And we've, I say, we've applauded him for his ability to kind of come downhill, be it an alley defender, especially when Peppers left with his injury, and he brought this level of physicality that I felt like embodied what it meant to be to be a new york giant i love how physical he was he always put his body on the line but he again is another james betcher guy and he is not a deep half safety and he has to play that this season that's just not the role that he can play at this point in his career yeah and that saves 2.75 million uh hardly a dead cap hit with 125k and i just feel that that's this one, I, I, I'm interested to get your percentage on it, Whereas I believe we're lockstep with Ellison and Martin. Right. But Bethay, I'm saying maybe like 65-70, but I can see a pathway to where he is still on the team, even though he is a better uh, player. How, what would you respond to that?
1: Yeah, I might only go 60 here, 55-60, because, again, in, in general, with NFL fans, um, you know, anyone watching the game, Deep safety is a position that is often criticized. Deep safety is a position that always takes a ton of the blame, but not always is it deserving of taking a ton of blame. Bethea played a little bit better than people think. Now, I'm not a, I don't want Bathea start Bethea starting as the deep safety safe this year. A lot of games were lost because they lost the Lions game because of him. They lost multiple games on big plays down the field where he was out of position. And in general, I think that you know part of it was. You know, he was asked to do a lot, especially once Peppers went down. But, you know, another part of it is that he's at an advanced age. He was at one point a really good deep half safety. He was even really good in Betcher's system as early as, you know, as recently as like 2017. But, you know, as you get to this advanced age, I believe he's like, what is he going to be? I can check right now. I believe he's, I think he's like going to be 38 going into this season, which is ridiculous. Let me get the exact age of a thing. Because we're talking about somebody oh, – no, sorry, not that crazy. It's going to be 36 this season if the Giants retain him. That's, that's just too much. For a deep half safety required to cover that much ground and you know break on balls from deep halves, it's just – it's not – It's not a recipe for success when you have a guy back there. So I'm going to put 55-60 only because $2.75 is really not that much against the cap, considering the Giants have 60 even right now, speaking, if they don't cut Ogletree, Ellison and Martin. And, I mean, Ogletree is what Ogletree is. We don't know for sure. But Ellison and Martin, to me, seem like foregone conclusions. So you can at least say they'll have, like, 72 mil. And if you look at it from that standpoint, Nick, it's like – well, what do we really gain by cutting by gaining that 2.75 mil back? Because the Giants are not one of these cheap ass teams that, that likes to save the cap. You know, a lot of these teams, the Bengals, I mean, even the freaking Colts last year, they were like 55 million under the cap. And there's teams that don't spend their cap, and you get fans who are going crazy about the cap. But you know, as we've talked about before, Nick, the cap, you know, worrying about little cap hits here and there is kind of, it's kind of, you know, a fool's errand because really the Giants have never been in a position where they've had to worry about getting under the cap. They're they're right up against it every year because that's their strategy. They're not cheap. They like to spend. Um but two point seven five million, I just can't see it for sure coming into play. If they release they Nick, I think it more so has to do with a youth movement that they wanna, you know, that they wanna have coming into it. And, you know, they'll have to value and they'll have to weigh the importance of having youth at that position and maybe getting someone like Sean Chandler more snaps or a rookie or a free agent or the of having a guy like Bethe who's a veteran who can maybe help the younger safeties get up to speed faster a role that you know gets overlooked by a lot of fans the veteran role the veteran teacher role the, the coach on the field with the team as a teammate but it can be important so I'm interested to hear where do you where, where do you put the percentage at with Bethay?
2: Oh, with they, I would say 55, 60, kind of like what I uh, said before. I could see an avenue of where he is still retained. But again, there's a lot of talk about uh, Devin McCourty possibly joining the New York Giants. You know, he has a high regard for. Uh, head coach Joe Judge and he could come in and he could play that deep half safety even though I want to say he's like 32 years old he could play that to a much higher level but they am bring that leadership factor as well and if he is brought over that doesn't necessarily mean Bethay is going to be cut either but if that does happen it could lead to uh that decision being had depending on how Patrick Graham used Bethay. right yeah we're now going to take a quick break to tell you about our brand new sponsor, Bet Online. Did you miss your chance to bet on the Chiefs Niners game? Fear not, listener. Blue Wire is excited to be partnering with Bet Online to help you win big no matter what time of year. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, it's never too early to lay down your future bet for Super Bowl 2021. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BlueWire to revive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. I signed up, it's super easy, and if you're already making wages, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BlueWire all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. Bring your best bets home with BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
1: Okay, Nick, there's still another 2.75 I want to save here to get us to that $24 million number. How are we going to get that?
2: See, now this one's tricky, and I like the way um, we're presenting this because I believe this player had an opportunity to really seize this job and possibly be – possibly play himself into being a future role on this offensive line but he absolutely flopped in his limited time starting with the new york giants this season when jalapio was out and that is spencer pulley because you remember you and i we kind of harped pretty heavy on him i want to say it was the vikings game it uh, but i'm not 100 percent sure which game it was but the one that pulley started it was uh it was really bad showing by the player and if he is cut it's 2.75 million dollars saved on the cap with zero dead cap hit but the tricky part about this is the giants and john alapio is a restricted free agent with an achilles injury so who the hell is going to play center for this team and even if they do go and they draft cushion barry or they draft ishmael or they lock up a free a veteran free agent who's going to be the backup to that so there's a lot of question marks with that center position right now and as we've said plenty of times on this podcast the center position is imperative to the offense And especially if they're going to run a lot of these power concepts, man, it it could – you really need to nail down that center position with a rookie or now a second-year quarterback, a young quarterback in this new offense. And uh, I don't know if Pulley's going to be able to do that, but I don't know if you can cut him either. Really, that's going to be the the tricky part is who's going to play center since Jalapio does have this injury.
1: I think it's a really interesting spot, Nick, because – they can get out of Spencer Pulley's contract. And Everyone went crazy about them resigning Pulley last year. This is just how stupid the cap thing is and how crazy fans get about resigning in the cap. They went crazy, and yet we head into this offseason, and literally all $2.75 million of that contract can come off the book. There would be $0 cap hit to release Spencer Pulley. Now, you make good points. How can they release Pulley if Calapio is coming off an Achilles injury? And Even though Dave Gettleman said we're counting on Jalapio to be ready for training camp and to give them, you know, come back for us. But for me, Nick, it's a little bit more simpler than that. I think especially now that they're moving to a different style of offense with Jason Garrett that will feature more power concepts, you just can't afford to have a pulley. And for me, even a jalapio, I don't really want either of them at the pivot. they just – their play strength just isn't there for me. I need someone who's going to be a, strong, a stronger, you know, anchor there in the middle of that offensive line. It's overwhelmed the Giants now for two straight years. I've watched this on tape week after week where, you know, it's not every game. But there are games where they're just completely dominated the point of attack there at the center position. And the play strength is just not up to speed and, or up to par, I should say. And listen, like I said, if they're moving two different concepts in the run blocking, uh, in the run offense, then they need to have someone different. I think center is a really important position for them to upgrade this offseason. Um, there isn't a great offensive center class in free agency. We'll get to that later this offseason. There are a few names that are intriguing. In the draft, you name one of them, Cushion is probably the most interesting to me. Um, seems like a really nice spot for him in the second round. Same with Beata as out of Wisconsin. I know he's not getting a lot of buzz right now. He wasn't at the senior bowl, but let me tell you, he's a hell of a player. He wasn't as good in 2019 as he was in 2018, but he's still he's still a player. Trust me, those Wisconsin, those Wisconsin linemen tend to work out really well at the NFL level, uh, with the exception of Gabe Karimi. So, listen. And that's a throwback, by the way, for any Badger yeah, fans. Um,
2: Gabe Karemi from the, the Chicago Bears, right?
1: He did go to the Bears. Um, I remember that, yeah. Massive Badger bust or one of the rare ones. Um so anyway, just for me, it comes more down to I want some I want I need new blood there. And if they're gonna count on Jalapio or Jalapio and they're also gonna have Polly, then you know, where is the spot there for a new center to come in? So that'll be an interesting one to 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 think about, Nick. But let's say hypothetically they do make these five moves, cutting Ogletree, cutting Ellison cutting Martin, cutting Bethay, cutting Pulley. That will put the Giants with just about 86 million in cap space, which would be the second most of all 32 teams in the NFL. That's impressive. And listen, as we move forward Nick, I want to talk a little bit about how the Giants got to this position and why as we move into this offseason there's so little dead money. I mean, listen, if they make those moves, they'll have 3.5 million dead cap with that with Ogletree, 2.2 with Ellison, 1.2 with Martin hundred twenty five K with Bethay, and they sold three hundred fifty K with Liletta and then that three point five million from Janoris Jenkins, which would have been a dead cap it regardless of if they cut him last season for, you know, not apologizing for what he said and you know, I think he should have. I think it was a disgrace. And also he was tweeting at practice. It's pathetic. Um, but also this cap hit was coming no matter what, this dead cap. So even with those numbers and with the guys we projected, Nick, they're still only going to have about a little under, I guess it's a little over $10 million in dead cap or it's about $10 million exactly in dead cap. So that's nothing. I mean, the cap's going to rise to balloons balloon to about 180 this year, 180 million. So they're going to have only 10 million of that in dead cap after, you know, last season they had about 35 40, I think, or something crazy with Beckham and all those, all the trades they made. So cramier. they really got themselves, Nick, in a position here where they're going to have 10 million in dead cap and they're going to have the se- potentially the second most cap space of any team in the NFL. You look at this roster and there's really no bad contracts. I mean, yeah, you can point, I guess, to Nate or I'm sorry, besides Nate Solder, because obviously he's a bad contract. There's really yes. no bad contracts. You want to point up Golden Tate. I'm gonna tell you this. Golden Tate was a was a productive player for this Giants offense last season. He was really productive. He was awesome for Daniel Jones. Those number Daniel Jones would not have played as well without him. Then you got the next big contracts on this are Zeitler, who we like. Uh, Sterling Shepard, who we like when he's healthy, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, Evan Ingram, and a bunch of young players on their rookie deals. That's what what we did here. This was a true rebuild. You know, the fans don't want to say it, and they want to bash Gettleman no matter what, but this was what the rebuild was. They cleared out bad contracts that they didn't want. You know, some can argue maybe they should have kept Harrison, Damon Harrison, but all those knee problems, now he's thinking about retirement. Olivier Vernon was a great contract to get rid of. In my opinion, Jason Pierre-Paul was a great contract to get rid of, and this was all part of the process with Gettleman. Odell Beckham, to me, was a good contract to get rid of. I, I'm not a Beckham guy. I don't think you win with a guy like that on your roster. Um, We'll see if he can find a way to win with another team. But again, this was part of the rebuild, Nick, and now we're at a point where you know the Giants, like I said, are going to be in a really good cap position. So here's my question for you. Do you see the Giants? Actually with the cap space they're in, with Daniel Jones on a rookie deal, with Barkley still on his rookie deal, do you see them being big time spenders this this offseason free agency, even though you know, John Mayer has said in the past, you know, we can't you know, we can't rely on free agency. We have to use it to supplement the draft, yada yada. Where do you what do you see happening in from that regard?
2: Yeah, I don't know if they're going to be big-time spenders, but I do believe they will do just what Mara said and supplement through the draft. I want to say Gettleman came out a couple weeks ago said he wants to reserve $20 million of this cap for extensions during the season. Now, you can quote me if I'm wrong on that, but that is something that I expect Gettleman to do. And then he's also going to probably extend Leonard Williams. And I feel like he's going to have – because the core of the Giants right now are young, and they're going to be looking for a contract. Something that Jerry Reese did not do is retain the talent of the – people that he drafted the ones that he actually did draft that were good guys like Lindell joseph who walked out the door i feel like Gettleman is going to try to put a focus on that and retain some of these talented young players that will be on this roster but i do believe they're going to be going after depth pieces i think they could look at deep half safety and somebody like McCourty that we brought up maybe the cornerback position maybe some depth on the offensive line and the edge positions things along those lines but this is the time for the giants to pounce how many times do you see and hear these uh teams that win the super bowl in the window where their quarterback is on their rookie deal we're seeing it with pat mahomes we saw it with russell wilson you see it a lot and that's because these teams can go out and spend money on other players and kind of lock up the other players on their roster sign them to long-term deals seattle was kind of did this really well with pete carroll and that legion of boom with russell wilson on that rookie deal so the giants have this window right now and (laughs) it seems like it's it's impossible but they're in this window with Daniel Jones on this rookie deal and you get that fifth year option that they can build this roster up to a championship caliber can that be done I mean that really remains to be seen it definitely seems like it's an impossible task but we've seen crazier things happen another thing I wanted to bring up the if the Giants do make these cuts and they get that cap space up to like 80 million and that's amazing and that means they can go and spend on a lot of these trades one thing that pisses me off the fact that the Cowboys, the Bucks, and the Dolphins are mentioned in the same breath with the New York Giants here because all three of those teams are in state tax lists. They're, they, they don't pay state tax. So the contracts there for the players who sign with those teams get substantially a lot more money than the New York Giants because the New York state tax is so damn high. And that's always pissed me off. And I wish there was something that could be done, but obviously that goes above football. But uh, that's definitely something that's always grinding my gears.
1: Yeah, definitely an advantage for some of those teams. I remember, you know, they kind of bumped the Giants into a position where they ended up paying a little bit more than they probably wanted to for Olivier Vernon because the other option was he was going to Jacksonville, I believe. Was either yes, I believe it was Jacksonville. Um, it wasn't resigning with it was Jacksonville, and they had that state cat, ta- uh, that no state income tax bump, that you know, that advantage. So it's part of the game. But Nick, do you see any potential? Uh, but actually, let me let me say this because. I actually see it a little bit differently than you, Nick. I think based on how healthy they are with the salary cap situation, based on the fact that their young core really isn't that close to being in the range of being re-signed, like they're not going to re-sign Barkley this offseason. They're going to wait on that one. They're not going to re-sign Dexter Lawrence, not going to do Daniel Jones's contract. They're not going to do Evan Ingram because they got to wait out and see if that's worth it. Um, And as you move down the list— you know, those are really the big names that could be re signed. So if you look at it from that standpoint, you say, okay, they don't really have any guys they need to redo now or during the season, really, or maybe they'll redo, you know, like they did Sterling Shepherd. But I think that was also part of a PR move. You know, they trade Odell Beckham and then they re-sign Sterling Shepherd right after that. So I think it's it goes a little hand in hand there, just my opinion on that. But because of that, I think they're in a really, really healthy salary cap position. So I think they're gonna maybe look at this thing like, listen, we can go out and rebuild our defense. Through free agency, the Green Bay Packers just did it. The Giants did it. It was temporary, but they did it when they re- when they signed Janoris Jenkins, um, Olivier Vernon, and why am I forgetting the third big free agent from that class? Oh, and Damon, Damon Harrison. Yeah. And they did it then, and they had a really freaking good defense the next year. They went from like. Dead last as they are now, or near where they are now, to one of the best defenses in the NFL coming together at the right time for the playoffs. Of course, Odell Beckham Jr. dropped two third downs, one touchdown in the end zone. Sterling Shepard dropped an end zone ball, and Beckham dropped a fourth down, and they they couldn't beat that Packers team with all those drops um, in a game that really was a, set, a, a really just a crappy game because Eli was playing playoff Eli in that game, and just it didn't matter because of the drops with with Beckham especially, just not focused in my opinion in that game, but. Again, and, and Shepherd dropped the bad ball too. There there was a lot of reason they lost. They gave a Hail Mary right before halftime, which which deflated the whole game. Um but point is that defense is what carried that team and they turned it around fast. So for me, I think they're actually gonna go against what they said and they're gonna get more aggressive than 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 people think in free agency on the defense side of the ball. I can see two really big signings there on the defensive side of the ball. I really can. Um and then a third mid tier one too as well. So I'm, I, honestly, sure. I'm not against that though either. Like uh, the- I'm not at sure. all.
2: Yeah, when it comes to like I – mean, two that come right to mind, not just because the Patriot connection is McCourty, which we brought up, and someone like Kyle Van Noy, if he does decide to leave New England. I know he's – I want to say he's 29 years old, but he's an unrestricted free agent, and he's somebody that, I mean, was utilized – like like he went to the Lions, was drafted by the Lions, second-round pick, and was just underutilized and went, labeled him a bust, goes to New England, and he's one of the core centerpieces of that Bill Belichick defense. So that's somebody that definitely would fill – a huge void for the new york giants if they go in that direction but even somebody like dante fowler i mean there's there's a lot of names that could possibly be signed by the New York Giants uh that are going to be free you got Shaq Barrett, you know Yannick Ngakoue. I know you're against that one but that's another name that's been thrown out there so it could be interesting with that but I do believe what I was trying to say before that Gettleman's going to save a good amount of cap space for potential re-signings and I don't think they're just going to go full Jerry Reese 2000 and
1: uh what was that 15 on this it's interesting Nick I actually think there's a chance that could happen I really do and again I'm not against it at all. I I've come really full circle on this, but I believe that salary cap, for the most part, is a myth. And, you know, there's no real—you know, you make these signings, whatever, you'll get out of them. They're out of the Jenkins contract. They're out of the Harrison contract. They're out of the Vernon contract. They're out of all those now. And they didn't really impact them in any way. It didn't stop them from spending at all when they gave that huge contract to Solder or any of their other recent signings or trading for Ogletree and re-signing in. Like— they haven't been impeded at all by that class. So they're in an even healthier salary cap standpoint now than they were when they signed those three big names. So like you look at it and if you see that there's three guys or two guys that are, again, coming off their rookie contract, still young, no injury history. I can see them making the moves to sign those guys. and I think it's the right decision because there is no real such thing as salary gap. Help. It's mostly a myth. Um, to be honest, like you look at it, like I said – just think about it, guys. I mean, have they been impacted at all by that class, that Jenkins, Harrison, Vernon class? No, man. I mean, they really ha- it hasn't impeded them at all at any point. So they're out of it. It's all over with. I mean, there's 3.5 million dead cap left for Jenkins, but other than that, it's all gone. So for me, I think they should spend on at least one big guy. I want to go two. I want to go a third middle tier, and that's where I want to go. They need to rebuild this defense. They need to build it fast. They don't want to keep giving Jones this horrible defense where he has to throw his way out of games every game. So I think that's really what they're going to do. I'll be interested to see. But before we move on, Nick, do you see any potential surprise cuts this offseason that we didn't go over?
2: Potential surprise cuts? I mean, Solder, I think, would be a surprise because as he has not lived up to the billing of the left tackle that we all hoped he could be as Giants fans, I don't see a replacement right now. And even if they draft a lineman high, I still think you need to retain Nate Solder, especially because of the salary cap situation the Giants are in. It's favorable. So you keep Nate Solder. He's effective enough for Daniel Jones. You can't put Daniel Jones in a situation where he's going to have someone like Eric Flowers out there blocking for him. So Solder and Tate would be the two that you would bring up. And I feel Golden Tate is way too important to Daniel Jones as well. So those are the two that are will be thrown out. I don't believe Nate Solder will be. Tate, I feel like the percentage could be a little bit higher, but I still think he'll be on the roster. And I feel like it's probably the right move to have him on the roster.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I don't, those are the names that those are basically only two potential surprise cuts, Nate Solder, Golden Tate, Nick, and Solder, you cut him this off season and there's a $13 million dead cap and you only save 6 million. So essentially, and he is, by the way, the highest cap hit on the entire roster. I mean, we're looking at a guy who's going to be a 19.5 cap number, easily their highest cap hit. But essentially what you'd be doing is you'd be using $13 million, allocating $13 million of your salary cap space just to not have him on the roster. That can't be worth it. like Unless they felt like they could somehow get a better left tackle for $6.5 million per year or a $6.5 million cap hit this year, They could do it, but there's no world where you're going to get a better offensive tackle on the free agent market where there's never any offensive tackles that are even good at all, let alone going to be good for 6.5 mil. Uh, So there's no scenario where they can do it. So for me, the better move there is you cut him next offseason when you can save $14 million of his $20.5 million cap hit, and there's only $6.5 million in dead cap money. So next offseason in 2021— those numbers flip. His dead cap and his cap savings flip. So at that point, yeah, they'll cut him. They'll save that 14 million in cap space. You know, they'll pay him 6.5 mil not to be on the roster, but they're not going to pay him 13 mil to not be on the roster. And then you flip that to Tate, um, and it was kind of always a two-year deal in my mind when they signed him. Even if they cut him this offseason, Nick, they would have only say they're only going to save six million in cap. Or I'm sorry, they're only going to save. I'm sorry, I was looking at 2021, if they cut him this offseason, they're only going to save $3.3 million in cap space, Nick, and there's going to be a $7 million dead cap. It. So again, you're doing, you're paying him $7 million not to be on the, or you're allocating $7 million, your cap space, not to have him on the roster. You're, That's not going to happen. It doesn't make any sense. So no. to me, I don't see those happening, those surprise cuts, Nick. Um, And before, you know, before we dive into a little bit, a couple other things on this podcast, let's. Just take a look at the spending breakdown. So let's go over the spending breakdown, Nick. You wanna you wanna hit those numbers for where the Giants are right now? Again, remember, they have sixty-two million dollars in cap space. So a lot of these numbers you're gonna hear are not gonna total up to what the cap's gonna be. They're gonna be way under. It's gonna be sixty-one million under. But where is the spending as as it stands right now heading into 2020 offseason?
2: Drum roll, please. The offense is ninety-one million. Seven hundred and fifty five thousand and about ninety two million we will go that way, and the defense is just over forty two million just over forty two and five hundred million, and then the special teams is just under five million
1: you know it's really interesting, Nick because the numbers are are again think of these numbers on like an hundred and eighty million dollar cap scale that's about what it was last year. It might be a little higher this year buck eighty five whatever it may be, but they're essentially using half their cap space on the offense and only Last year, by the way, no team in the NFL—I repeat, no team—all 32 teams in the NFL spent less mon- allocated less salary cap money to their defense than the New York Giants. This is nothing. Forty-two million in cap space to the defense is nothing. They need to sign guys. They need to, that number needs to rise, Nick. I mean, you can't a- expect to win in the NFL unless you nail draft pick after draft pick after, you know, DeAndre Baker, uh, sorry, Baker and and Lawrence. They would have had to been all pros in year one to have any shot to have a successful defense, honestly. And same goes for, you know, Carter, Zimenez, Beal, whatever. Those guys would have had to been borderline freaking all pros when you're only spending 42 million in cap space on your defense. So, this number is going to go up, guys. We we know this. I mean, they're not going to enter another season with while spending no money on the defense side of the ball. So I really expect that to be where the spending is this offseason, Nick. I don't think they're going to really do anything on the offensive side of the ball, anything major at least. Um, and that's kind of, we'll, we'll talk more in our free agent preview. And, you know, there's a lot of 2020 free agents the Giants have, which we'll go over again on a different podcast uh, when we kind of break down free agency uh, from both where the Giants standpoint, from the Giants standpoint and who they have to re-sign, you know, there's guys like Leonard Williams, Marcus Golden, Rammers, Michael Thomas, Cody Latimer, David Miles. These are some of the big names. Maybe they signed Buchanan, Corey Coleman even. Jalapeo and Rosas are restricted, but we'll t- break all those down on a future pod. But the point is, Nick, they got money. They got money they're going to need to spend on the inside side of the ball. When you see from this standpoint, Nick, you start to think maybe they will actually make some big moves on the defense side of the ball in free agency.
2: Uh, I mean, when you look at the cap, it definitely seems like they would. And when you look at the Giants defense in 2019, they weren't exactly that great. You're going to need to supply Patrick Graham with some sort of talent. So, yeah, I think bringing in one or two bigger free agents with the cap space they have is a prudent move by the New York Giants. Somebody, these two players who fit some of the players we might mention. And if you listen to podcasts in the future, I'm sure we will elaborate on some of the more potential fits to Patrick Graham's defense.
1: No doubt. No doubt. And before we dive into some questions from the listeners, Nick, I want to do a quick look ahead to their projected 2021 cap space. Giants are in good shape from a financial standpoint as we move to 2021. Uh, As of right now, for that 2021 season, again, they won't have had to, you know, pay Barkley yet. Jones, all those guys can still kind of be on their rookie deals unless the Giants want to pay them early. Um, They're only going to have four players. They're projected only have four players who have a $10 million or more cap it for 2021. One of those guys is Ogletree, who we think thinks gone. Another guy, Solder, who we said is probably going to be gone. I mean, they're going to, you know, only a $6.5 million dead cap it. And then another guy is Tate, Golden Tate, who we think could be gone after this two-year, little two-year deal. You know, they'll kind of move forward with Slayton and Shepard and, and another guy they bring up from the draft or, or, or you know, or maybe somebody they find uh, undrafted, something like that. They've had really good success with that. So, they're going to be really flush with cap space in 2020. If you think they have a lot of cap space now, you've got to wait to 2021. And that is another reason, Nick, why I think they're going to spend big now because they can afford to do it. They know that they're going to have this cap space again next offseason, and they know that they're not going to be in a situation next offseason where they're regretting the moves they make now from a spending standpoint. So for me, Nick, as the more we talk this through, Nick, the more I'm starting to believe it's going to be a big time for agency for the Giants. There's going to be a lot of action this free agency. I really do believe that.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a convincing case that we're bringing up, especially with some of the names that are in free agency that we will go over in future podcasts. We touched on a little bit here, but yes, I think uh, you kind of want to definitely surround this new coaching staff with as much talent as possible, especially given the situation in the uh, coming years with the cap space that seems uh, a lot better than it's been in recent memory for the New York
1: Giants. No doubt. No doubt. All right, Nick, get us started on some of the questions from the listeners.
2: Yeah, let's dive into this. Cracks, knuckles, here we go. New York Giants fan in Charlotte, but here we go. Okay. Should Dave Gettleman prioritize drafting prospects over signing free agents, giving the staff as both first year and branded as quote unquote teachers?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I kind of doubt touch on that a little bit. I want to get your take on this, Nick, so I'm going to be brief. I think that with the situation they're in, that the healthy cap situation they're in, I don't. I think. I think you know he shouldn't. He should not look at it as like a free agency is going to be nothing. We're not going to go too hard on it. Let's keep drafting guys. I think it needs to be big for them. I think it needs to be a big part of this defensive rebuild. Uh, the more I looked at it, like I said, the more I looked at a how that big you know Jenkins Vernon uh, Harrison class has hasn't hurt them at all. Hasn't impeded them from anything and B, how healthy the cap situation they are now, and also in 2021. To me, I think it needs to be both. Uh, Is there anything different you feel, Nick, than what we already went over?
2: I think the main thing that the New York Giants and Dave Gettleman are going to do, Dave Gettleman is sort of on the hot seat, and he needs this team to compete in year one, or he's more than likely going to lose his job. Sort of like Jerry Reese in the past, granted, I don't believe they're going to go that far as I stated before. So I believe that Gettleman is going to put a product out there that's going to be the best for this next year in 2020. So I feel like they may go that free agent route while also drafting these prospects. But we're going to find out first through free agency because free agency obviously happens in March, whereas the draft happens at the end of April. But I feel like they could add two big defensive stars, as Dan and I said earlier in the podcast. So I don't necessarily think just because they are teachers that they're going to neglect free agency. And he also asked, should Dave Gettleman spend less money in free agency because of the uh, new staff to avoid potentially bad fits?
1: yeah i mean i don't see it i think it's going to be a dual process i think he's going to work with the coaching staff to look for guys who fit what they want to do i don't think it's all get i really don't um i'd be surprised if that was like that for the giants or really any franchise so for me i just feel like that won't be part of the process so for that reason he could spend what i think he should spend and that's and that's a good amount to rebuild this defense but they're only at 42 million right now allocated to the entire defense as we stand today
2: yeah and i that- feel like that's going to be rectified and more than likely going to come through free agency, but that obviously they're going to utilize these draft picks and do what they do, potentially getting Isaiah Simmons, even though the Giants played themselves out of Chase Young, which is very, very unfortunate. And by the way,
1: before we move on, Nick, I mean, you look at it, we're talking about this number 42 million that's currently allocated to the defense. It's nothing. It's lowest in the league last year and probably lowest as it stands right now. But that's before all the potential cuts we talked about. If they get rid of Ogletree, they and Martin, now we're talking about they're down, what, 12, 15? Uh, they're down to only spending $27 million on their deep. That'll be just $27 million allocated in cap space to their defense. That number alone should tell you all you need to know about if they're going to spend in free agency or not. It really is a very telling number. They're not going to enter this year with with less. I don't think they're entering this year with less than $60 million allocated to that defense. I just don't see it happening. Um, it yeah. just doesn't make any sense to me. So if they got to get up to that number and they're going to make those cuts we talked about, there's a lot of guys they're going to have to put add to this defense.
2: I 100% agree. Joey LaFaro asks, where do you sit on trading back up into the end of the first round from the second round? With it being a small jump, it seems regardless. Regardless of position they are addressing there, it would be almost irresponsible not to get that fifth-year option, especially if that pick is a left tackle.
1: I see it differently, Joe. I get your point, and I understand the value of having that fifth-year option. Dave Gettleman talked about it last year, but I'm a little shell-shocked from the decision to move up from Baker. I love Baker's tape. I thought he was a dominant corner for two straight seasons in the best conference in college football, the SEC, and yet... He wasn't a rock star. He wasn't a smash hit for the Giants last year. I still, you know, me and Nick are still very high on DeAndre Baker as a prospect. We think he's going to be a solid starter for the Giants, maybe better. But for me, I'm just not in a position where I like to trade up. I'm not a trade up guy. You're not going to ever find me as a trade up guy. I think that for me, I believe the draft is, and, you know, there's a lot of economic studies that you can look into and I can link you if you want to talk to me, you know, via DM or on Twitter. But there's a lot of studies that show you're it's basically a positive EV move. And by EV, I mean expected value every single time you trade back in the NFL draft. And every time you don't do that, it's the opposite. So you want to get more of these guys on these rookie deals. You want to take more swings because there's a lot of misses. That's the NFL draft. It's an imperfect process. We've seen this time after time after time. Uh, every year, There's imper- it's an imperfect process. So for me, Joey, I'm just not in that position. I get where you're coming from, but it's just not for me. Do you, do you, where do you stand, Nick?
2: Dave Gettleman's bread and butter is evaluating talent. He's a talent evaluator through and through, and he has done a good job with these fifth-round picks. So I feel like he's not going to do that unless it's somebody that they're absolutely in love with and it's somebody that they feel like a team in front of them may draft. So I feel like they're going to try to retain all those assets. And it's kind of weird that we say that now looking at Dave Gettleman what he did with that third-round pick for Leonard Williams, but I don't feel like he's going to make that mistake again. So Bobby Madeline asks, to me, Williams is a sunk cost. Speaking of, it was a bad trade. Don't compound it by signing him and then missing out on signing a good defensive end linebacker or offensive tackle in free agency, which are bigger needs. I would rather Lawrence, Dalvin, BJ, and a good D end linebacker or offensive tackle than Lawrence, Dalvin, BJ, and Williams. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, there's a little there's there's a lot to this, Bobby. For starters, I think me, you, uh, me and Nick are a little bit different than you are on Williams. I think he's a little bit better than, than you think he – or I guess than, you, than you're saying you think he is. I think he made a, a big impact for the run defense, completely night and day that Giants run defense was after trading for him. I think he got a little bit more pressure than people think. Um, obviously, the sacks weren't there. The pressures weren't perfect. But I think part of that is that he didn't have a good edge guy next to him, helping him. You look at Buckner, who had a breakout year for the 49ers this year. Once Bosa came there made a big difference for Buckner's play. Um, and so to me, I think they should resign him. Um, I also don't think it's going to impede them at all from signing another guy. There are no offensive tackles, so get that out of your mind. I mean, maybe Conklin, I guess, but, you know, I don't see the Giants signing him really for big money. And there's there's people who say, listen, you sign Conklin for big money, you're getting a guy who's not really good in pass protection. And you're just hoping that that's going to be – you're almost making another Nate Solder-like move in a sense. So – so I would probably erase that. And as far as, you know, getting a linebacker, an edge guy in free agency, like a Yannick. And again, Nick said earlier, I'm I'm out on Yannick. I'm only out on Yannick because he's going to be the highest paid p- player in football. And he's just out of the ball. That's the contract he's signing. Vernon signed it when he was the top D end on the market. And so will Yannick. It's the same deal. So that's kind of just why I'm out on that. I just, I, I just don't need another Vernon type. But, and he's not a good run defender. So that's my other thing. But my point here is this. Listen. They're going to make more than one big freedom signing. It's not just going to be Leonard Williams and call it a day. It's going to be Williams and probably one to two, maybe three others. So for me, I like Williams enough to the point where I would re-sign him, especially with how healthy of a cap situation they're in now and for the future. Nick, where do you stand on that?
2: I think Williams could be a really big part of what Patrick Graham is going to do with his defense. His length, his ability against the run, his ability to create pressure from the interior, which is somebody something a lot of Giant fans don't really talk about, but he was getting pressures. Now, he wasn't getting home all that much, and I know that's very frustrating, but I think if you get other edge players and surround him with speed, something the Giants front doesn't really have, speed. If you surround him with speed, create one-on-one matchups, I think Leonard Williams could be incredibly valuable to that defense, so I hope the Giants do resign him, and it's not just because of the trade of the third round pick because you're right you don't want to compound something that you would view as a loss but i just do not view leonard williams as a loss old yepper asks is it possible for the offensive line to be fixed up in the midst of trying to build up the awful defense is an offensive tackle or isaiah simmons more important at number four with dave gettleman's history of not trading down any way a trade to snag both can happen
1: yeah i mean listen uh it's as far as can you fix up an offensive line? This stuff in the line will probably need to be fixed via the draft. We know that. That's just kind of how all NFL offensive lines are fixed these days. Um, and I think there is, for me, if the Giants are going to pull another Dave Gettleman and not trade back, I personally would, would still rather have Isaiah Simmons. There's a number of reasons why. The first one is I believe he's going to be a special difference maker in the NFL. I believe he's going to play all over the field. I believe he's going to be a chess piece that that is going to be your number one playmaker. And the Giants do not have a playmaker on the deep inside of the ball, especially at the second level. He will be that playmaker. And, and for me, there's no one like him in this draft class. Now, there are a couple guys I think are like Andrew Thomas, maybe even better than Andrew Thomas to project the number one offensive tackle. And so I also think one of those guys, Josh Jones, a guy I really like out of Houston, might be there in round two. Why? Because there's so many good offensive tackles in this class. There really are. Even a guy like Becton, who people starting to move up boards, he might be there too. Um, and Or, you know, it could be a situation where, one guy falls, and he's the guy the Giants like at that second-round pick, and I don't see that happening with anyone like Simmons. Now, is there a way to trade back and stack both? I do believe there is because linebackers don't tend to go that high in the draft, so if the Giants move back to one of those quarterback-needy teams at 6 or 7 or or you know the Chargers, uh, the Panthers, who I believe could be in the market for a quarterback potentially— um, a few other teams the dolphins may want to move up one spot the raiders want to may move up for a quarter uh for a quarterback as well i wouldn't i wouldn't rule out the vegas raiders at all to move up for them and I, and i just really kind of wanted to say vegas there because it's pretty sweet they're now officially called the vegas raiders that's how we're you know writing them down on cbs but the point is guys <laughs> it is possible for this for this team to make the smart decision trade back and still land simmons while also having another first to land Becton or to land you know whoever the tristan works maybe he falls because you know people don't think he can play tackle i think he can play tackle i think he's a freaking beast i love tristan works. so i think it's possible and i think they're more likely to get a tackle uh that they can plug and play in the second round than they are uh in the than they are to get a guy like simmons where do you stand Nick?
2: well i just hope we go back to 2016 and we have another Laramie Tunsil situation. It slides some one of these tackles down to the second round. That would be excellent. But yeah, no, I am, uh, I'm all, I'm all for improving the defense with Isaiah Simmons. I think he is a Derwin James has been thrown out. I think he can be that kind of impact player who can be utilized in so many different ways. And when it comes to the tackles, I look at Makai Becton, and I think he's playing himself out of the giants ability to draft him in the second round now he's a mountain of a man for those of you who don't know he's a tackle from Louisville he's six foot seven about 370 pounds but he actually has pretty impressive movement skills and he can locate in space and just from the film that I've seen it's uh it's very impressive reps. From a man of that size, and you know Dave Gettleman loves his hog molly, so he's somebody that I feel like the Giants will be uh, interested in. I just don't feel like he'll be around it with that second-round pick. So the trading thing—we've seen Gettleman not move back. Does that mean he won't in this draft? No, not necessarily. But I think it's really going to come down to those three teams behind the New York Giants and the value of Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert. And if those guys can, those teams can bid up against each other and have the giants slide back to those picks and one of those teams move up to four giants acquire more assets maybe move up in the first round if a tackle does slide that's i guess a way it could happen i think this draft season for the new york giants is very very interesting because of these quarterbacks that are in this draft and the three pick the three teams that are picking behind the giants in the chargers the miami dolphins and the carolina panthers who could be in line for a quarterback so that's uh what i would have to say about that you agree dan
1: yeah, I'd agree. And one thing to add, because I think a lot of people, you know, there's this, there's a perception that Dave Gettleman wants these hog mollies. And the perception is that they're like the biggest guys or like, you know, the biggest size speed or whatever type guys. But I don't know if it's that, because if you look at guys he's drafted, I mean, Will Hernandez is not a, not a really long guy at all, by any means. I think that's part of the problem right now for him as he regressed last season. Um, And and I think he looks for different things. He looks for their ability to bend at the waist. And mm-hmm. I think from what I've heard, I have a one little tip to share with this podcast. I don't get them often from one of my CBS guys, and I'm, and I'm not going to get into too much of it. But from one little tip I have, the Giants are really interested or have shown a lot of interest in Tristan Wirfs. Um, and he, again, is not really that, that super long guy. That's part of the reason people think he may have to shift inside, you know. I don't believe that, but some people believe that. I think he'd definitely play right tackle in the NFL. But, you know, so he's someone that, that I think we should keep an eye on because I, I have heard that the Giants are interested in him and that they really like him. But, again, I, I just want to make it clear. I don't think that, you know, the, the whole hog molly Dave gettleman thing, I think it's gone a little out of, a, a little blown out, a little bit out of proportion. I don't think it's just totally the biggest guy, is all I'll say.
2: Yeah, I'm not necessarily alluding to that, but I do think Kai Becton is a a high-level prospect. As much as I love Tristan Worfs, and I would say – just from my limited film review of both of them, I have Worfs higher right now, and I do feel like he's a phenomenal athlete in space. And uh, yeah, he might not have the longest arms, but I don't think that would preclude the Giants from drafting him to play tackle.
1: And I'm not ruling out Becton because, listen, I've yeah. seen a little bit of Beckton. He, I said it on Twitter. He is the highest upside of anyone in this class. There's no doubt about it. He's 6'7 and seven, and he moves like he's 320 pounds at most. Like he, That is what the definition of highest upside is right there. If he reaches his potential, he'll be an all-pro offensive tackle and a left tackle at that because he can move really well. He's light on his feet. But I'm just saying I, I don't think that necessarily the biggest guy is the guy the Giants will target.
2: Yeah, I, I feel you. Mike Jerky asks, where do you stand on the importance of mid round picks versus trading up for the fifth year option? And I feel like we touched on this before, but Dan, take it
1: away. Yeah, we did touch on this. I think the way that like like Nick said, I mean, Nick summed it up best. What Dave Gum does best is evaluate talent, especially at the college level, especially on those on those day three guys. Um so for me, taking that away, taking that away from him is taking too much away from just to get that fifth year option. So for me, I'm probably not there with it. I'm out on it. Yeah. Um,
2: I'm the uh, same exact way unless some kind of incredible value presents itself. And that's kind of where it all comes down to. If value does present itself and it's a player that they really, really love and they're afraid somebody ahead of them may draft, that's something that could materialize. But uh, if you just ask me black or white what the answer is now, I feel like retaining as much the picks is probably the path that Dave Gettleman will uh, take, given the fact that he gave up that third round pick for Leonard Williams, too. All Things Giants asks, I'm sure funds are earmarked for Leonard Williams resigning. Outside of that, I could see inside linebacker and cornerback addressed as well. Golden, two Thoughts? And then he complimented us on our senior bowl coverage. And I want to thank you, All Things Giants, for the compliment.
1: Yeah. I like the compliment, too. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. Obviously, we we believe that there are some funds earmarked for Leonard Williams. Um as far as you know addressing these other needs I, i'm i think i'm out on golden nick it's crazy to say but i just don't see there being a team friendly contract in his future with the giants and i don't think he's worth paying you know 10 million per year on a four, 3 4 year deal and that's what he that's what he's playing for that's why he signed that one year and fully incentivized you know almost fully incentivized deal with the giants that wasn't for much money because he wanted to recreate his value and for those who just look at the sack numbers he's one of the top guys on the market, you know, he had a ton of sacks. Um, and, you know, he plays with a lot of heart, he plays with a lot of hustle. But I just personally think a little, I think he's a better fit for a bachelor for bachelor's defense, than he will be for whatever the Giants are bringing in uh, with Graham moving forward. Where do you stand there, Nick?
2: I love Marcus Golden, and I love what he showed in the New York Giants uniform, but I do happen to agree. I mean, he had 10 sacks this season. I want to say two of them were unblocked sacks, one against the Eagles, one against the Jets. He had three, I believe, were on middle stunts that were really well choreographed by James Betcher. He had one against Kyle Rudolph, which was, I want to say, just around the edge, beat Kyle Rudolph. And then he had one where he. Uh, Two against the Redskins and then two against the Bills against Cody Ford who was a rookie, and I'm not taking anything away. He got these sacks, but it didn't come against high-level competition, and I don't believe – like he might end up getting compensated like a top 15, top 10 edge just because it's the nature of the market, and that's just not – even though the Giants are in a good cap situation, that is not uh, a way I want the Giants to invest their money for a 29-year-old going into 29th year of his life uh, at this point. And I love him, and I want really you know, hope he goes to a championship contending team, but I don't believe that's a wise investment for the Giants. Yeah, you nailed it. Okay, Swag Jones asks, can you see the Giants signing Pats players like Van Noy and McCordy? Hey, I already brought this up in this podcast. What about you, Dan?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think McCordy is on the radar. I think he should be on the radar. I'm not an ageist. I'd love to have him. I don't care if he's 32. He was still playing at an elite level last year. He's with exactly what they need on this defense. As far as Van Noy, for me it would be more about the price. I think I'd have to see. I don't think the Giants are, you know, copying this Patriots defense. And I don't they certainly don't have the defensive backs the Patriots had last <laughs> season to help, you know, to help out there. Um, especially especially give, you know, Van Noy when he knows when he has the peace of mind that the back end is going to be tight and the coverage is going to be there, it helps him his job a lot. So I'm less interested in Van Noy for sure than McCourty, but I'm definitely interested in McCourty. Yeah,
2: no doubt, man. Giants fan John asks, Hashtag Big Blue Banter. What is the single most important move for the Giants this offseason?
1: Love the question, John. Love the question. For me, I knew exactly where I wanted to go the minute I read this. And that's get themselves a deep half safety. There are multiple guys on this free agent market I like. McCordy, Anthony Harris, uh, now I'm blanking on his name. The guy from San Francisco... Uh, Nick Jimmy Kiro, Ward, Ward, Jimmy Ward, uh, and there's one other. I'm, well, ju- I'm
2: ju- Justin Simmons from the Broncos.
1: Justin Simmons, there's four deep half safeties worth spending on in free agency. One of four, give me him, or get somebody in the draft. I uh, like the kid Ashton Davis. I believe his name is out of out of California. Is Davis's last name? Yes. And Ashton, yeah, he's a guy who I started watching after the senior reading about him on the Senior Bowl, and he is really good in single high looks, like awesome closing speed on the ball get a guy like him in round two or three. Um, so for me, the biggest thing they can do is get a deep half safety. They needed a deep half safety. It makes such a difference for your team. It just makes such a difference to have that deep half safety um, and allows so much for your other safety and for the rest of your defense. So that's my that's my uh, most important thing. Nick, what's yours?
2: See, I would go the edge direction, but I'm not 100% sure – the, the contracts that are going to go to guys like Yannick Ngakwe and even Shaq Barrett are going okay. to be astronomical and that gives me some pause. So I think addressing the safety position is incredibly wise and again, we brought up McCordy several times on this podcast. I don't care about the age, like you said before. But I also think inside linebacker, because of Alec Ogletranian, yep. more than likely he probably won't be here next year, depending on what the Giants do in this offseason. But I think the Giants have to go after an inside linebacker. You could do it through the draft. You could do it through free agency. But somebody who's competent, who can play that position, and not just rely fully on Ryan Connolly. And Connolly could be excellent, but we just do not know that right now. So I feel like the Giants have to explore that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's that's imperative. But Pat Chamberlain asks, and this is the last question, ladies and gentlemen, any potential surprise cap casualties you could foresee this offseason other than Jenkins, Ellison and all the people that we kind of alluded to earlier and kind of touched on this. but
1: We kind of hit on it. The big surprises would be Solder or Golden Tate. But, you know, we just don't foresee it happening, Pat. Um, I think kind of we went over the reasons earlier, but it just seems unlikely based on the cap numbers.
2: Yeah, I 100% agree just because – and the logic uh, behind uh, just there's no one on the roster right now to kind of fill the void for Nate Solder despite him not living up to his billing. And then I just feel like Golden Tate is excellent for Daniel Jones.
1: No doubt. All right, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in to the Big Blue Banter podcast. We got a lot more coming this offseason. Keep it locked in with us. And again, the one favor we'll ask, the only favor we'll ask. Do us a favor. Make sure you download every single podcast. Not just listen, but hit that download button. It makes a massive difference for us. Uh, Tell your friends about the podcast. Rate, subscribe, review on iTunes. This is all we'll ever ask, and it'll help us grow, become an even better product, and keep giving you that giant info that you want. Because, listen, the turnaround's coming. They're in a great cap spot. They're going to rebuild this defense. Daniel Jones is looking good. Good things are coming, I promise you. Good things are on the horizon, Giant Sands. I know it's been a lot of dark. It's been a dark time for this franchise, but keep keep your head up because good things are coming. At least me and Nick feel that way. So thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys soon.